If you're a real estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. Okay, guys. Well, let me allow me to introduce Rob uh, from Rob Built, the, the uh, YouTube channel Rob Built. And I tell you what, this is one of my, I'm really excited about this today. And, and just to assure Rob, we've got a hard stop at 1130 Eastern um, or 1130 Central, sorry, 1130 Central time. So one hour, we, we capped this room at one hour just to be respectful of every, everybody's time. But uh, yeah, Rob, Rob is a, this, his channel, Rob Bill is one of my favorite channels. And I had uh, watched it for quite some time. One of the channels too, I came across initially in my uh, YouTube research before starting out on real estate. Now he doesn't focus on residential sales, but he focuses on tiny homes and Airbnb and not just, I mean, not only a a great creator, but a a really smart business guy too. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, if you just, whenever you see his channel from the standpoint of watching it from the creator side, it's absolutely uh, just really good how he shoots everything, uh, thinks out his, his planning of the video. So from that standpoint, you'll see a lot of things that um, some of the best YouTubers, in my opinion, you know, conduct on their, on their videos. In addition to that, you know, he is running a full-time business, several businesses actually. So he has several tiny homes. I don't know the exact count, but I'm sure he'll, he can fill us in on that. In addition to that, he's even uh, started to build, at least uh, based on our last discussion, uh, was starting to build a, an entire tiny home community in Tennessee. So he's originally from the Los Angeles area. Uh, and that's where he started out with his uh, first few tiny homes in those areas. And also putting them in unique spots, kind of like, uh, kind of like a Joshua Tree and some of those other areas. And of course, hopefully, there's not too much background noise, but it's whenever my lawn guy decided to show up. <laughs> so uh, we'll try to keep that as quiet as possible. But otherwise, Rob, not only does he have the tiny homes, but he is, you know, Airbnb, Airbnb, is that a word? Um, all of these properties as well. And so a tremendous amount of knowledge uh, on Airbnb and a prime example of how you can use YouTube to fuel, you know, your, your outside business. So um, on top of that, right now, Rob is, has 135,000 subscribers, over 6.1 million views. And, and uh, I tell you what, he's doing quite well. And, and also I got the opportunity to meet Rob at Vid Summit a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles. It was funny. I was sitting, uh, we were sitting at the bar grabbing a bite to eat and he walks up beside me to order a drink. And I just go, Rob, how's it? I was like, how you doing? And he had no idea who I, he had the most befuddled look on his face because, uh, you know, he didn't know who, who I was, but that's, again, the great thing about YouTube, just as we talk about developing, you know, your clients or your potential customers develop relationships with you uh, before they even meet you. But so, you know, watching his channel, being a, a fan from uh, the other side of the computer, you could say, it was just cool to see him. He's standing there right beside me. And then just to have a discussion with him. I mean, super cool, dude, just like he is on camera, a Chipotle lover as well. That's very important. <laughs> to his bio, but overall, I mean, just super cool dude. And we just, you know, chatting it up. And that was really what I loved most about Bid Summit is it is really, it's a creator conference. It's a, 
uh, for creators. And so I got to meet so many people that, you know, I've, I've um, watched their channels for some, some time, you know, and then we just, uh, you know, had some, uh, some more discussions on and off throughout and you develop a, a friendship over, you know, the course of Vid Summit. So it was just a great opportunity to, to get to know Rob. And so, yeah, I just reached out to him. We chat back and forth, um, you know, playing catch up. And I just said, Hey man, would you be able to jump on here and kind of give a, you know, some background, some details, his origin stories. He was more than happy to do that. And I do know he had a scheduling conflict a little bit. He's on the road. So we'll try to manage that as best as possible. But uh, Rob, if you can, are you able to, you can control your mic now, I believe. Yes, yes I can, man. I've been given full autonomy of the mute button. <laughs> okay. Awesome, man. Well, well, thank you, Rob, uh, for coming on. And yeah, did I, uh, did I, would you like to add anything or would you like, is there anything we should know specifically about, uh, your, your background? <laughs> I can see you there through the steering wheel for those. Yeah, of you I'm, I'm parked out of Bojangles, man. So no sweat. I'm not driving anymore. Um, yeah, a little, little bit of background. So my editor, this is actually a very appropriate time because my editor's here. So if you ask any YouTube questions, it's gonna be like, ask this guy. Um, yeah, man, I'm going to try to live up to as cool as you made me sound. I mean, no guarantees, obviously. I will say you did clarify very quickly at the bar because you were like, Rob. And I was like, oh, man, I, I feel like such an asshole because I was like, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember him. And I was like, I'm pretty good about names. And you're like, you don't know me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, you know, I'm not a realtor, but I will be, you know, after talking to you kind of opened my eyes a little bit to like how to monetize YouTube kind of one step further, because I think for a lot of content creators, they just, they're not very good at figuring out how to monetize YouTube. Like a lot of people think that AdSense is like the main way to, to create like cash flow and income from YouTube. But, you know, my buddy said a long time ago, like if the way that, if the most money that you make on YouTube is through AdSense, you're doing it wrong. And I kind of agree with that now, especially after going to Vid Summit and talking to you and being like, man, there's like a, a whole nother world out there that, you know, I can really be pursuing. So I'm going to be, I'm going to become a realtor. I'm still deciding which state, if I want it to be Tennessee, Texas, or LA, but it's in the works right now for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, we're happy to help you out in that venture as well. So as we know, we've had those discussions offline. So yeah, super excited about that. I think that's a great thing. So could you kind of um, uh, tell everybody how you got into YouTube. And oh, I forgot to add this point. His channel is less than two years old, everyone. So less than two years old, already 135,000 subscribers. That is tremendous. So let me ask you this, which came first, Rob, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> did you start YouTube first or did you have a tiny house first? Or, or were you doing Airbnb out of your one of your bedrooms? You know, which came first, uh, Airbnb, tiny home or YouTube? Yeah, I was definitely doing tiny homes and, and Airbnb first. And when I started my YouTube channel, I actually started it off as a uh, like a DIY kind of do it yourself, like home remodeling type of um, channel. Because there's these two channels that I used to watch. One is called Homemade Modern and the other one's called Modern Builds. And those are like my favorite channels. And I was just like, man, it would be so, so cool to have a channel where I can build stuff and then inspire other people to build stuff too. And so, you know, I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I had the Airbnb business and the tiny house business going and everything, but I didn't want, I, didn't, I don't know. I was like pretty against having my channel be Airbnb and tiny houses. And I think it's because I just thought that the, 
the niche or the genre was a little boring. And so I guess I felt like maybe that I had to be like a little bit like kind of more just not myself. Like I was like a lot of the Airbnb content out there was just so dry and educational. And that's not like a, a bad thing necessarily, but for, uh, sorry, hold on. Did I just connect to your AirPods? <laughs> that's so weird. Uh, sorry. Um, anyways, so uh, this is very random. Caleb put on headphones and for some reason my phone connected to that for a yeah. second. Uh, but a lot of the Airbnb content out there which is very like dry and educational and like, you know, there's a very large population that likes that for sure. Um, like a lot of people watch my channel and they're like, yeah, I would like your channel if you weren't funny, you know? And I'm like, well, then you don't, you don't watch my channel then, you know? And I don't know, I was just kind of like nervous of what that would be. But then I made like a vlog, like my third video was a vlog about my tiny house and it was like very bad, you know, it was just on an iPhone on a tripod the framing wasn't much better than this, you know, <laughs> like it was pretty, pretty kind of down and dirty. And I made that, put it out into the universe. And then I continued to make a bunch of other content about, you know, home remodeling and stuff like that. Well, about six months into my journey, I had bought like a professional camera, like my first professional, well, professional, it was like $500. But for me, that was like a big chunk of change at the time. And I was like trying to convince my wife, I was like, hey, can I buy this camera? Like I'll use credit card points. And she's like, I don't care. And like, please, please let me do it. And she's like, I literally don't care. And I had to like really talk myself into it because I don't know. I just, I didn't want to drop the cash. And I, I wasn't sure if I was like ready to commit to YouTube like that. And so the day I bought that camera was like the day that I was like, okay, I'm a YouTuber now. Like I'm going to do this. And I put a lot of effort into just learning how to edit it and how to shoot videos and how to do all that kind of stuff. And so I spent like, way more time on on those videos trying to make them good and I was like really proud of it and after having a few high quality like my first high quality videos where I was really like editing for like 16 20 hours on a video and stuff my third video that I shot on an iPhone about tiny houses like took off for whatever reason you never know when a video is going to take off or why it's going to take off and my third video that I'd ever posted that was like not good at all took off and I was like kind of annoyed because I was like why is this video all of a sudden getting views and it sucks when all the videos that I actually like put so much time and heart into like those aren't performing well at all and but then it kind of set off like a chain reaction of like some of my other content that was a little bit higher quality and it was like I was starting to do more Airbnb kind of construction videos which was sort of like filler videos at the time because I was just like trying to you know I knew that you had to do it like once a week and I didn't have any like home remodeling projects going on. So I was like, oh, I'll just make like a, I'll just make like a video on my house that I'm building in Joshua Tree. And those took off. And so ultimately ended up being a good thing because, you know, I, as much as I was against doing like tiny house and Airbnb and real estate content, I was also like, okay, well, you know, maybe I can like be the, the weird quirky take on, on real estate and on tiny houses and Airbnb. And I'm just, yeah, I, that's what I ended up doing. Like it kind of set off a chain reaction of Airbnb and tiny houses. And I was like, all right, I guess that's what my channel is now. And I haven't really looked back since. And I'm really glad that I just like got over like the idea that I had to conform to everyone else uh, because I really just wanted to be as unique as possible. And I don't know. Yeah, it was just kind of one of those things I had to really like battle with. Like, do I want to conform or do I just want to like try it my way? And luckily I feel like I tried it my way and it worked out. Or it's working out so far. 
Yeah, that's great. I think a, a couple of good really points in that is that we talk about is you followed the audience, right? I mean, so you saw where the, the hits started to happen. And because that is in your wheelhouse, you were just able to adjust. It wasn't that you had to completely shift strategy, but you just needed to adjust um, content creation and just, okay, this is what the audience is clearly asking for, you could say. And so they're, okay, let me shift some content. We talked about this, I think in last week's room um, to where if you see something, an opportunity, especially most of the people on this call are real estate agents. So they're looking how to monetize that business. Well, if you start making videos about several different areas or neighborhoods in your city, and they're all kind of, you know, the same, except you see one neighborhood or one video take off and it's really focused on one neighborhood. That's the time to capitalize on that opportunity, right? So um, it, you should double down, triple down or make an, 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 your next video, even if maybe if you have a, a publishing schedule built out, then you should think, okay, well, this, this video took off. Clearly people either want, like the content, how you made that or the actual neighborhood or, or area you're featuring. So go ahead and try to make a second or third video, maybe shift some of your content strategy. So that's pretty great. So how was your, how was your business, your Airbnb business um, before, uh, you know, and then after you started, those videos started to take off. Was there, was there a big effect or do you think just kind of working the system in Airbnb? Because I have it as well. And I, as a, I'm a super host and I know as a super host, you're given, special privileges and every, I mean, it's like, I don't have to do, I do zero marketing and my Airbnb is fully booked all the time. So did, was it a big difference or what would you see in the shifts? Um, you know, not really, but it's kind of like attribution on something like that is actually pretty tough for a couple of reasons. I mean, if someone sees my tiny house on Airbnb, for example, um, when they go to book it, it's not like they're saying, oh my God, you know, hey, I'm looking forward to staying at your place. I love your channel, by the way. Like, I love this tiny house. Right. I would say I've had maybe like four or five people that have messaged me and said that. That doesn't mean that people, like, that's not, that doesn't mean that those are the only people that have booked it because of Airbnb. Because I will say, like, my tiny house is probably like the most viral tiny house on the internet. Like, it's gone viral several times with other creators. I think just some guy made a TikTok on it and that TikTok got put on like Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff. And that got like 15 million views or something like that. Like he got more views on my tiny house than I did. Levi <laughs> Kelly's done um, a tour on it. And I think that's like his second or third most viewed video with like 2 million views. So I'm sure it helped in some regard, but here's a really cool thing. Like the house is awesome. It's a, it's, it's a cute little like mid-century modern two-story tiny house. It's unique on its own. I, for my mindset going into Airbnb in general is to like always be top 10% of your market, you know, like try to be like the top 10% listings. And that, that's not always necessarily applicable, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that can't be my mindset. And, uh, you know, it books, you know, I, I strongly believe that if my channel shut down or if it had never started, it probably would have booked the same um, because, yeah. you know, it really kind of went live during the whole pandemic. And, you know, Joshua Tree was exploding at that time. And like people were just trying to get away from LA. And so I was booked solid. I mean, I think in my first year, if I remember correctly, I grossed $83,000 on that house. And then my net on that tiny house was like $57,000. Um, I don't think I'll ever have a year that good again, but hey, I'll take it. 
but still netting 50, let's 57,000 and say, you say in a bad year, if you netted 30 or 40,000 still, you oh, know, yes, net is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's one tiny house. How many tiny houses do you have now? At this moment, I have, I guess I have three technically, like okay. I've got the tiny house in my backyard, which is an accessory dwelling unit. I've got a tiny house in Joshua Tree, and then I've got a tiny A-frame in Arizona as well. And then I've got like, I think that's it. Yeah, I kind of lose count these days. I've got like Airstreams and yurts and tents as well. Um, and then the tiny house community that I'm working on here, it's kind of shifted a little bit. Um, it's still kind of within the tiny house movement, but it's actually going to be more of like, you know, a glamping treehouse hotel more than like a tiny house village. But all of the spaces are going to be tiny. I mean, they're all going to be like, you know, less than, they're going to be around two to 300 square feet. So still within the mindset, but just a little bit of a different vibe overall. Okay. So how many, how many rooms you could say between everything do you plan to put on the, 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 in the community? Yeah, I think I'm permitting right now, nine possible units. Um, my property allows me to permit up to 26 and build up to 26. Um, the, you know, there's a lot of engineering and like, yeah, if anyone follows the channel, like it, it's been a nine, 10 month process to get to this point, uh, which I kind of expected, but yeah, kind of issues arose out of my control with, you know, people, contractors getting back to me and people like wanting to, you know, I, I've had a tough time getting people to answer the phone out here. And I think that's pretty much the case across the country, but yeah, out here, the pace is just a little bit different, but, you know, starting out, we're going to be rocking about eight or nine different units. Okay. Are you, I, I mean, I know you talk some numbers on your, on your channel. Are you open to sharing some numbers or? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So always. Oh, there you go. So uh, let's say off your current three tiny homes. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what are you looking at for net this year? I'm sure, I'm sure you probably ran projections or where you should finish up. Um, well, let's see on the Joshua tree, tiny house, uh, if we're looking at the net of that, like if I did 83,000 last year, I imagine that I'll be like 70 to 75 this year, okay. uh, gross. And so my net on, let's say 70,000 would be, um, I don't know. Yeah. Probably like 45 K somewhere on that. It'll be like 45, 50 K I think because my bills on that property are just, they're so low. Um, and also I like apply a heavy amount of um, principal. Like, I think I just doubled the mortgage payment at this point, which yeah. there are schools of thinking that say you should not do that. But I like the idea of just building equity. Um, so I would say on my tiny house in, in Joshua Tree, I'll net 45 to 50 this year. I feel pretty comfortable with that estimate. Um, my tiny house in my backyard, I rent now for $2,800 a month. I, I, do, I do what's called a, a midterm lease. And that basically means that I rent that for 30 days or more because in LA, you can't actually do short-term rentals without a permit. And even if you have the permit, you can only rent it for like 180 days a year or something like that. So I just decided to convert it to like a long-term rental by renting my place on Airbnb for 30 days or more at a time. Uh, so I call that a midterm rental. So now I'm charging about $2,800 a month on that. <laughs> my profit on that is going to be 24 to 2,500 bucks. Cause again, my expenses on that are like super low. So in a perfect year, we'll be looking at 24, 26,000, 25, 26,000 on my tiny house in my backyard. That tiny house cost me $72,000 to build. So, um, 
pretty good numbers on that. And then my tiny house in Arizona is like a small little A-frame off grid. We built it for $35,000. And that one, <laughs> that one probably pulls in like 35 to 45,000 a year um, profit on that. Cause we pay like a co-host on the glamp side and everything like that profit on that's probably going to be, if we do 40,000, then about 25 to 30,000 of that will be a profit. So yeah, we've paid that back a couple of times at this point, I think. Yeah. I tell you what, that's the great, I mean, I, I, I don't, my Airbnb experience is not as extensive as yours, but I think after dealing with it, I, I probably wouldn't mess with a long-term rental ever again, because you can really double or triple your rental income from, from the start. And you can pay things off definitely much quicker. Even, even the unit in my backyard is only 200 square feet. It's a um, one bedroom, one bath. It was a complete shell and, uh, you know, added the, all the plumbing, the AC, everything in there, 200 square feet. That's it. And uh, it consistently uh, averaged about 18,000 a year off of that. So it does about 1500 a month consistently. And, and it only costs 20,000. Yeah. About 20,000 to uh, renovate that whole, that whole piece, um, that whole shed. So it's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it paid itself off practically in the first year, year and a year and a half or so, and then it's been profitable ever since. So, um, what are your keys? I know I have my two key takeaways uh, for any Airbnb. If somebody was interested or looking at or, or in the process of Airbnb, what are like two or three things that are must, must do's uh, for that? Well, <clears throat> if you're looking to get into Airbnb, I mean, I think for me, a big part of it is um, automation. Like it's so easy to get in the weeds of your business. And I kind of think that as business owners, we should be in the weeds of our business at first. So when you start an Airbnb, instead of automating it all, I would, I always push people to like answer all your messages, set all your own pricing, coordinate with your cleaners and kind of do as much as you can in house. And then after about one to three months, when you've truly like learned, loved, been profitable at and mastered the kind of how to Airbnb, then you can start automating your messages. You can start automating your pricing. And what I mean by that is generally speaking, when someone books your place, you have to send them a message that says, Hey, Levi, thanks for booking my place. You know, here's everything you need to know. Check in is that four, uh, the lockbox code is this and that. So we have to send those messages out manually. However, you can hire different automation platforms like smart BNB, but now called hospitable.com. Uh, your porter is like another one. And basically on those guys, you can pay like $8 a month and they'll, they actually have automated templates to where when someone messages you or books your place, it'll respond on your behalf and it'll give them all the relevant information that they need to know. And then on top of that, like pricing is the same way. Instead of going in and guessing like, oh, I think 150 is going to be good here, or like 175. Well, there are AI platforms that use the algorithm uh, use, use like a specific algorithm to determine the market supply and demand on any given day. So that algorithm will choose the optimal price point for your one, two, three bedroom place in Dallas, Texas, for example. So um, yeah, it's been really great. And I think those can range anywhere from like 1% of your, of your gross revenue. Um, or it can, you can do like another one, like price labs, which is what I use. And price labs, I think is like $10 a month or something like that. 
So, you know, I guess that, that to me would be the must have is like, how quickly can you automate your business so that you're not spending 10, 15 hours a week, you know, like running your Airbnb. Like I try myself to spend like around two hours a week on my business, but I've since scaled up. I now have like an executive assistant. Um, I've been able to do that, but up until like, I don't know, three, four months ago, I was running my whole entire Airbnb business, like by myself basically. And pretty minimal time overall, just because I had all my systems automated and in place. But now I have an assistant and I just make her, you know, deal with everything. And like, she checks in with me on big stuff, you know, and then I'll give her like a directive from there. But my assistant is hourly. Um, Well, she's like salaried, but like from an hourly perspective, very affordable compared to a lot of different property managers that will charge you 15, 20, 25, 30% of your gross revenue which to me is just never worth it. Right. No, that's great. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing to net pretty, you're going to be netting close to six figures and, and pretty much have all of that automated now. So again, as you build out that community, this, I think this is applicable. It's not just Airbnb, but this is in any type of business or especially in the real estate business is that, um, you know, working in those systems and also letting go. I know that most of us, I want to try to control absolutely everything, but when <laughs> yeah, Rob is shaking his head right now saying, yeah, that's, um, it is, you know, but at the same time, when you get the right people in place and the right systems, man, it frees you up so much to, to work on so much more there. So I want to open it up to some questions as well here in a minute or two. So if anybody, uh, we actually are on clubhouse as well at the same time. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we, uh, wasn't, wasn't sure. I mean, the app was like completely down this morning, so I didn't want to risk it. And, um, you know, just want to be respectful of your time. So just figured we would host that. So, um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to raise your hand and come up on stage. And then also, um, real quick on, YouTube. So um, if you could kind of relay this to as a business owner or think of a real estate agent mindset, so to speak, how are you monetizing off of YouTube other than AdSense? Yeah, man. I mean, there are a bunch of different ways. I, you know, when I quit my job, you know, I, I was making $110,000 at my, at my salary job as an advertising copywriter, which is really great money. Um, but I quit that job in, let's see, March, I think, just, just this last March. It's been seven months. And I have since 15X'd my, my income just from like being able to focus on all the different businesses and scaling up. So AdSense is definitely one, but partnerships and brand deals are another one. Uh, affiliates are another one. So for example, this year, I think I'm going to make... 70 or 80,000 on YouTube for the, for all of 2021 and then on AdSense. And then I'll make probably my guess is going to be like 20, 30 to 40,000 on ad deals, like on, on sponsorships. So just right there, that's like a hundred K that I make from, from YouTube. And I'm sorry, I don't know if you were asking about numbers, but Hey, I'm giving them to you. Um, Hopefully other YouTubers can, you know, take inspiration instead of thinking that I'm, I'm bragging, but like I, right. I, I'm open about this because I want people to know what's possible. Um, so that's just on like the, the funnel, right? Like that's the very beginning of YouTube. But you know, if you know me, I talk about Airbnb, right? And I'm an Airbnb ambassador. Um, I get a commission anytime anyone signs up with my link to host. 
So if I inspire anyone in my videos to start an Airbnb business, like if they sign up with my link, I get a commission from Airbnb. I think, I mean, I think just in the last like six or eight months, I'm, I'm sitting like just over hundred K in affiliate commissions from Airbnb. Um, then I've got my Airbnb business, uh, which is about $25,000 net a month. So that comes out to about 300 K or so a year. Uh, very, very thankful for that. So like, you can see like everything that kind of starts with the funnel of YouTube, because that that's where it all really starts for me. Like I I've probably had just from YouTube, like 20 to $30 million worth of investment capital offered to me in the last like two or three months. Uh, like literally like three, four, 500 investors have reached out to invest with me. I don't take any of them. Um, I actually feel bad. I haven't ever like responded to them. I have the option for people to reach out to invest with me, but I'm very, very, very selective about who I take on because, you know, when you're messing with someone else's money, it's, it's a whole nother business. It's like a whole nother ball game. It's very serious. Like I do, I crush it on my own, but I now have this like obligation to crush it significantly more, uh, for an investor. And so I just don't take them on for fear of being spread thin and not delivering on what I say I'm going to do. So, um, I've got that, I've got a few deals, like a very small amount of deals that I work on that, um, where basically I partner up with investors to buy houses for them and they bring the capital and the borrowing power. And then I bring the automation management. I pick the place, we help them close on it. And it's a 50, 50 partnership. Um, and 50-50 ownership. So um, I'm basically managing and picking out their property and I'll get 50% stake in this property, uh, but it's completely passive for that investor. So I imagine one year from now, I'll probably have like in a, in a perfect world, about 15 to 20 houses that I'll buy with investors that I'll own half of effectively. And so the cash flow from that will be 20, 30,000 every single month, I imagine. Um, hopefully more. And then I also sell programs and mentorship. Like that's, that's the, by far the biggest like source of income for me is that I, I sell courses. Like I, I have one course that's called Glamp Camp, teaches everybody how to start a glamping business. And I have another program called Host Camp, which is a, an entire mentorship program that teaches you like literally everything you could possibly need to know about starting an Airbnb business. And it's been really great, man. I, I didn't expect for those to take off in the way that they did, but I'm really thankful just because it's cool because for YouTube, the best I can really give you is like 15, 20, 25 minute videos. Not a lot of people will watch those entire videos because who wants to hear me talk about throw pillows and fake plants, right? But people who, who participate in my mentorship programs and like my Airbnb programs, they are like, they crave that, that minutia, that, that excruciating detail that I go into about starting an Airbnb business. And so I feel like having a teaching platform that's even bigger than YouTube is just like very gratifying. I just ended the first co cohort of host camp. Um, and man, I don't know, I've gotten emotional about it several times because so many people have reached out. They've sent me messages on Instagram. They've sent me email. They've sent me like direct messages on Facebook. And they're like, dude, this was like, life-changing. My whole life is going to be different because of my Airbnb. Like, Hey, check out my first month. I made 10 grand. And I'm just like, like, I always read it to my wife and I have to take like little pauses to like get through the message. And she's like, wait, why'd you stop? And I was like, 
sorry, I got to collect myself a little bit here. Um, so like being able to teach on a, on a bigger platform than YouTube and give all of like who I am and what I have to offer to people has been super gratifying for me. So course, coursework probably makes up, um, I don't know, like 70% of my income at this point. Oh, wow. So you're saying five, six, 700 K. No, uh, probably just North of a million for, for 2021. For the courses. Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. So a couple of things you mentioned in there, I think are really, really key is that, um, you know, I mean, being able to help people, like you said, talking about do, do it yourself around the house, like throw pillows and, and plants, right? I mean, there's that you're providing value, but it's very difficult to monetize that, monetize that value, right? And so here, you're offering people value, but what you're also doing is teaching them how to make money, which is mm -hmm. very, very valuable. And therefore, as you can see, you know, they say your, uh, your net worth is determined by the, the value you provide to other people. And so that, I think that's a direct correlation of now you're, you're, you're helping people, like you said, start their own businesses and actually make money. And who knows, maybe get themselves out of financial strain and situations that they, you know, they weren't able to do that before, even with just a job. But also, I think what was really key too, is you said you've been offered upwards of 20 to 30 million in, in investment opportunities or investors basically approaching you, which I think this really plays into the factor guys we talk about. This is, this is what really correlates to real estate agents is that nowhere else um, I believe is a stronger platform than YouTube for people to develop a relationship with you. Just the same as when Rob walked up to the bar I, already, I felt like I already knew him, you know, and I could, I could just say, Rob, I knew calling him out by Rob and saying, Hey man, what's going on? You know, that, that wasn't going to be an issue. It's the same with the real estate clients that call us every single day. But think about this. Think about people that have to chase down investments. Think about people that have to pitch their business or they have to go and you, you've heard the stories, right? Of all the people that see 20, 30, 40, 50 investors or angel investors, whatever they're trying to do, they have to pitch themselves. And the reason people get passed up so much is because there's always that level of uncertainty with the investor, right? They're, they're thinking, okay, here's this person standing in my office, didn't know them yesterday, didn't know them the day before. And now they're asking for a hundred, 200, a million dollars to invest in their business, you know, all they can really look at is the, the balance sheet sometimes. And if you're starting something new, they don't even have that to compare it to. So um, with YouTube, Rob is demonstrating all of the value up front, not only for people that want to start their own business, but for investors or people that want to be in business with him. And so he would, he, if he wanted $20 million in investment or wanted to finances, whole tiny home community, all he has to do is reply to a couple of emails and it was, and it yeah. would literally be that simple, right? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild, man. I mean, I, I'm just thankful, honestly, because I do feel like what you see on camera, I try to, I mean, I, I feel like that's who I am, you know? I mean, obviously like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I would say YouTube, if I'm like scale of one to 10, like the Rob meter, I'm always at a 10. YouTube occasionally might hit 11 because like, you know, obviously it's like, it's YouTube, but not really. Like, I don't think, you know, 
I, I try to make it to where if anyone ever says hi, I'm like, what's up, man? You know, like I, I give everyone as much attention as I would before YouTube, right? Because I'm like, I just like, it's who I am. I like talking to people. I like meeting people and stuff like that. So I think that a lot of investors feel exactly what you're saying, where they're like, I know this guy. Um, and so like, I'll talk to investors like all day, all the time. And they'll, you know, I'll say like, well, yeah. And I was working on, you know, I was working on this and blah, blah, blah. They're like, I know. And then they'll like go into detail about the thing that I was talking about. And I was like, oh, that's right. They probably saw my YouTube video where I like talked about that in depth. And so they do kind of come into it knowing. So like selling an investor is no longer, it's no longer selling an investor for me when I'm, when I'm kind of going through this process, it's more like picking an investor. And that is really nice. It's nice to be like, okay, you know, yeah, I, I don't have to like pitch myself anymore. Right. And if I do, I just move on because there's no reason for me to like work an investor for 20 hours when like I have a, a whole candidate pool of people that are just like, Hey, I have a million dollars. What should I do with this? Um, so it does kind of play into some ways that I'm working on investments and everything. Like I'm starting a fund where I'm going to be building 20 houses in Joshua tree. We're going to be raising like three to $5 million for that. And the total construction, I think is going to come out to like nine or 10 million. And, you know, I've got a significant investor pool that they're like, Hey, as soon as you have that, let me know. Cause I will invest like half a million in that tomorrow. So it makes those types of projects easier and that's honestly more where I'm going because I can like sort of bundle a bunch of investors into one project and give my time to a group of people versus like a specific person. And that's kind of what I've learned on YouTube is that I've scaled up every aspect of my business, but there's still only one of me. So I have to figure out how to give less of my time and still bring and still kind of uh, have it be monetarily worth it. And so like something like a fund, I can raise money from a bunch of investors. I can do one Zoom call to talk to the 20 investors instead of taking 20 Zoom calls to take on individual investments. Um, it makes less and less sense for me to do that. And that's why I don't really like take on a ton of investors because yes, I could fund my tiny house village, but you know, if I did that 20 times, I, I'd lose my mind because I just don't have, I don't have the time to do that. Right. I mean, that's a, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I think it's, it's really key to what we're doing and it's the same way in the real estate business. We see this as well is that, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't have to do outbound uh, to, to chase, or we don't have to chase clients, right? They come, it's all inbound. They, they come um, asking to do, they actually ask us, do you have time for us? You know, would you consider working with us? I mean, if you look at all of our emails, they're pretty much ended the same way, which is, please reach out to us if you have time to, you know, so it's almost like they're uh, asking us to consider them as a client. And so it, that's the, that's the great thing about it. So if I could, I'm going to open it up real quick. Um, let's see if we have any questions. I'm sure Matt, uh, Matt always usually has a question. I, I don't want to put him on the spot, but I kind of do want to put him on the spot or we could, Come jump on, Matt. <laughs> or we can jump down. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Matt. Hey, well, first of all, thank you, man. This like, First of all, I just appreciate the the authenticity and the vulnerability <laughs> of you sharing. And I think you know everyone here in in the clubhouse room, at least, and and certainly watching on Facebook, is probably thinking what I'm thinking, which is, you know, coming from a place of abundance that you know you're definitely not bragging about it. I think 
just to hear the results are absolutely amazing. So I appreciate that. But really my question is, you know, now knowing what you know, and this is like one of my favorite questions to ask of all content creators, regardless of the platform is tomorrow you wake up and your channel just totally disappears, right? Uh, where are you starting over? Like what's, what's the five things that you're implementing, you know, before the end of the year that, um, you know, is going to take you to the next level with all the knowledge that you have now? Yeah. So do you mean this like in regards to restarting a YouTube channel or just like in life in general? (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that actually. Um, I mean, I'll let you take it wherever you want. I was thinking more YouTube, but I I love that you you turned it. So either way. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm just wondering, I mean, you know, I, I kind of grapple with this, with this one, if I'm being honest, like I, I feel like my channel is where it's at in a large part because of luck you know like I think a lot of it starts out with luck and then it flip flop I think it's like 90% luck 10% talent and then as you begin to develop it always flip flops and it becomes 90% talent and 10% luck and so for me like I have no idea why that first video ever took off and if it wasn't for the YouTube gods like picking me and like you know like making that video go viral it wouldn't have caused a chain reaction of making my other videos go viral and all that kind of stuff. So I always grapple with like, if I lost the channel tomorrow, could I build up Rob built back to where it's at? And I think so. Uh, but I think it would take, I, I don't know. I think it would take a long time. So I think for me, um, YouTube is a little bit of a game for sure, because there are definitely algorithmic choices that you have to make and everything like that. But for me, like, there are a lot of mistakes that I can cut through. Like when, I, when you're starting a channel, I always tell people that your first 20 videos are just, they're going to suck. Like there's no if, and, or but about it. Like you don't know what you're doing. The editing going to be bad. The intro is going to be super long. So just by like learning that, like a few things that I took away from Vid Summit specifically, which is like have a hook in the first five seconds and, you know, try to take out as much fluff as possible try to increase, you know, average viewer retention and stuff like that. I think for me, like I would probably format a new channel where the first five seconds are king and getting people hooked. Um, I would definitely put a lot of time into putting, making sure that all my video topics and everything in the kind of like from the marketing side of the YouTube, like for me, the title is everything. And then the thumbnail is also everything. So for me, I would spend a lot more time focusing on making sure that my titles are a lot more, I hate to say it, but clickbaity. Um, and it's not clickbait when you deliver on the actual topic that you're trying to bait people into. Uh, I heard someone on TikTok say that clickbait's kind of like a toupee. There are horrible toupees and you can tell it's a toupee and it never, it never works out for that person. But if it's a really good toupee, you don't know. You think it's just their hair. And that's how clickbait should, should be approached on YouTube. Like you want people to look at your title and your topic and your thumbnail and say, oh, I don't believe that, but I have to click to find out. Um, and so for me, I always try to get people to, to kind of go that, go that route when they're like looking at my, my thumbnails. Like for example, my video yesterday was called how I burn all my money as a millionaire. But what that video is actually about is how my spending habits have changed as a millionaire. And I talk about, you know, um, 
my business essentials and hiring staff. And I talk about brokenness revenge and how, you know, I buy things now that I didn't buy when I was super broke because I'm like, these are things I always wanted. And so now I'm going to spend money on sushi. And so I talk about like everything. It's a full spectrum of my entrepreneurial journey. And it is technically talking about how I burn all my money, but I'm not actually like talking about how I'm buying Ferraris and stuff. I mean, I, I talk about that a little bit, you know, I definitely deliver on the title and everything like that. But for me, I think you want people to be a little satisfied with like the topic and the thumbnail and the title uh, after watching your video and being like, oh, I get what he was going for, you know? And so for me, I would put so much more time and effort into that. Whereas when I was starting my YouTube channel, I was so focused on the actual topic itself and like the content. And I was just like, I don't, I think I'm going to shoot something about Airbnb. Let's just turn on the camera and go. And then I would retroactively, uh, you know, create the thumbnail and the title and everything like that. Now I try to approach all my videos where I think of the title first. And once I have that nice hooky title, as I call it, then I make the video around that title. So um, as far as the five action steps, definitely going to be working on, um, what was that? What's the first one that I said? Oh, average, uh, no, no, first five second hook. Yeah. Average view duration is huge. Um, the, the, the Mecca is like, if you can get 70% average view duration, honestly, I'm just hoping for 50. And then three, I'm working on title and thumbnail and topic to kind of hook people into my content. There are probably a four and five there, but um, I would definitely like try to monetize my channel. I guess four would be like monetization. How can I monetize whatever channel I'm going to start as quickly as possible? Usually that's going to be through affiliates, but you know, maybe I wouldn't want to do like Airbnb and tiny houses again, if I had to start over, maybe I would just do something in real estate, but I would definitely figure out what knowledge I have in my head that people like, and how can I monetize that as quickly as possible through teaching it and teaching people how to do it from the ground up. So for me, that's obviously going to be tiny houses and Airbnb. So I probably would just go that route. Um, and then fifth, just for shits and giggles, um, I don't have one. Those are the four. <laughs> I think that I think that pretty much covers a lot. <laughs> yeah, you get uh, Matt. You get four. So uh, fill in the blank with the number five. And <laughs> I want to I want to backtrack a little bit on Rob here and say clickbaity. Let's we could use the word intriguing or enticing. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, but also I, I want to replace luck, Rob, with with persistence. I say. And and you said you don't know how the first that video took off it's because you made it number one, <laughs> you have to, you have to actually press record and make the videos for, for anything to happen. And then I think luck happens when, for those that are persistent or persistent, right? The more persistent you are, the more opportunities are, are going to open up just by default. So I, I, I don't want to take anything away from uh, Rob's success. And, and uh, you know, that's the things that he was putting in the work, um, creating the content and also critiquing his craft. And I think that is very important too. Didn't just sit around and wonder why you can, you can hear from um, his own words, you know, how involved he is in, in every aspect of his business. He's a, a student as well uh, of the game. And so, like you said, YouTube's kind of like a game. Well, the best players understand how to play the game. And so I would imagine that you've spent quite some time understanding YouTube as a platform in general too. Clearly, I mean, you're at the creator conference, oh, yeah. you're there, you're there to pick up um, more opportunities. So if we can, let's go to, let's jump to Anita. Um, Anita, I think you had a question. How are you? Good. How are you? Um, thanks for all the info, Rob. It's been great. Um, for sure. 
kind of a more specific question. So um, I have a YouTube channel that has almost 13,000 subscribers on it, not intentionally. It's like I post, I used to be on a dance team in college. I used to like post my dance videos on there. Um, and I haven't done like anything with it. I've never monetized it, nothing. I was wondering if like, if you would create a separate, completely separate channel for real estate or would, would you try to like repurpose that channel just so you can like get a head start? Hmm, that is a really, really good question. Huh, you know, it kind of depends on the platform. Like for example, when I was first starting TikTok, I was just doing like whatever content. And so I was kind of unsure, like I was unsure if I should start a new TikTok channel and focus on like, you know, uh, start another one that's like real estate focused. But I talked to a guy and he was like, man, the way TikTok works is like, no matter what videos you make, it's going to be served to the relevant um, platforms on YouTube. It depends. When was your last video that you ever posted created? I think it was May of this year. It's a dance video. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, you may be better off just starting the new channel, specifically because all those people that have ever subscribed to you, they subscribe to you because of dance videos. And so if you, let, let's just say you have like the most banger video ever and you're like, how I made a million dollars on my first real estate deal, whatever. Well, those people probably don't care. They care about dancing and everything. They probably subscribe to other dancing content. So the chances of those 13,000 people ever clicking on anything that's a complete departure from what your channel is, I think it's going to be like a slim chance. Like for me at my level, like I have 135,000 subscribers. I experiment with content all the time. And I mean, all the time I have so many content ideas and niches outside of tiny houses and Airbnb, because I don't always want to talk about that. So I'm always experimenting with like wholesaling and entrepreneurial battles and like quitting your nine to five. And I can ease in vlogs and I can easily see when my audience doesn't like it. Like anytime I do anything that's too far out, it's like the worst like performing video on my entire channel. So all to say, even if I wanted to create dance content on my channel, it probably would be the worst performing content because no one knows me as, you know, a dancer, right? So as much as I, it pains me to say to like, you know, leave those 13,000 subscribers behind, I think that you would find better success creating a new channel. But ultimately, like, I would say before you do that, maybe try a couple of videos. Like you can always like post it on your 13,000 subscriber channel see how they do and if they totally tank you can just put repost those videos on an entirely new channel like there's no rules on that kind of stuff and most likely the same people would never even see that to begin with what do you think levi thank you yeah uh i mean i i in in my research and understanding i mean first of all i think anything can happen with anything <laughs> so yeah 100 percent uh, you can't guarantee it. I think from a strategy standpoint, I mean, my recommendation would probably be start a new channel. And um, just because in those first couple of videos, if people find that content and all they have to fall back on is a lot of dance videos, and that's the majority, then they might assume, well, this is really a dance video or, you know, something along those lines. They just might get mixed messages. I think that's one thing that 
um, at least for what we're doing. I mean, for we're at least for what, yeah, I'm saying what we're doing. I'm not sure what your goal would be with the real estate channel, Anita. I think I do, but you know, our goal is to monetize and it's not necessarily, you mentioned the word head start, and that's something that you think you have the head start because you have 13,000 subscribers, but if it's not the right audience for what you're trying um, to accomplish, then those 13,000 subscribers may not matter. And so, you know, we've been very strategic about developing our audience and allowing YouTube to find that audience, which I believe, you know, for us subscribers, you know, um, back in analytics was not necessarily the, the only goal was, can we make the phone ring? And we had the phone ringing when we had 48 subscribers. So nobody was looking at our subscriber account, you know, saying, Hey, you only have 48 subscribers. Are you even a legit real estate agent? You know, they just said, Hey, you're providing great value. Thank you. You know, um, we're looking to buy a house. And so just, I think being clear on the goals of what you want to accomplish. Um, and so I wouldn't look at the 13,000 necessarily as a head start it, it, because you just, you want it to be the right audience. And I think yeah. YouTube is absolute, um, the best at helping you find your audience uh, for you as well. So the clearer you can be, especially with the channel, I think always the better. So I will say one final word on this. Go, go to your favorite, go to your top 10 favorite YouTubers and then go to their very first video and, and look at their first five videos and see what they were. Funny enough, most of the time, every single YouTuber that you ever see didn't actually start off as the channel that they've become. So it doesn't mean that you can't pivot. Right. Yeah, I'm... I'm like I said, I believe anything can happen. I just think from a, yeah. a strategic standpoint, it's better to just start with the clean slate and then work on building yeah. that, building that brand through that channel, you know? Yeah. Now I do think what's important though. I mean, if dance is a big part of your life, I think that's something that you incorporate in your videos. Like as you're, if you're showing people around town or telling them about a certain neighborhood or suburb, you mentioned, oh, I used to go over here and this is where we did all of our dance practices. So I think little mentions like that is what helps people develop the relationship with you as they watch your videos instead of, you know, having videos um, just based on what you want to do, then you incorporate some of the things you like in those videos. And that's what where people start to relate and then get to know you a lot better as a person versus just a, a real estate agent who is, my name is Levi, I'm a real estate agent. If you want to buy, sell, invest, um, follow me in this house as I show you around, you know? And so it's very, uh, you know, you just, you create a different environment to when you incorporate yourself. So just like I know Rob loves Chipotle, right? So he, he mentions it in videos. Yeah. He says it's true. Although now it appears he's uh, graduated to sushi, um, with all of his, uh, <laughs> all of his affiliate business, but, um, cause I'm so, so fancy. Yeah. He's so fancy now. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's move over to let's see. I'm going to refresh real quick. Could we got Justin? Are you there? Do you have a question uh, for Rob? If you're there, Justin. I think he's in listen mode. Okay. All right. Um, hey, Levi, we do have one in the chat on Zoom. Okay. Let's. Um, so, question in the chat from Nicole is: Was it all done with AI, or did you pay for any advertising? Do you also use any other social media platforms? So, I'm I'm assuming she means, um, did you just use AI to you? I mean, you said you you work everything in the beginning on your own, right? 
Yes. Yeah, for sure. And then the AI, if she's talking about like the automation and all that stuff, I mean, yeah, I use that once I start automating, you know, the automated messaging is like seven, eight bucks a month. The automated pricing is like $10 a month. So honestly, it's pretty affordable. Um, do I pay for advertising? No, I have never paid for an ad ever on anything. I don't think, let me think about that. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, I, I'll tell you my experience with Airbnb is I've never paid. I mean, they, it's a tremendous, people are on there. They're searching, you know, that's the great thing. I think that's the great thing about YouTube as well. As I say, you know, that's the difference between somebody, you know, people on YouTube, at least who are um, researching real estate, they're extremely intentional. They are in the buying process. Just like when somebody gets on Airbnb, uh, very few people I know go on Airbnb to just browse. They go on there because they have the intention of booking a place. And of course, the more you're established, the more, you know, better ratings you have uh, and really proximity of where you're at, as long as you're in a good location. I mean, you don't have to do anything because the audience is there and they're looking for the solution to their problem, which their problem is, is they need a place to stay in your area. And so I, that's why I love Airbnb is because you don't have to advertise. You don't have to, I mean, even when I wasn't a super host, I was still fully booked. And that's the reason I got to Superhost after the first quarter. So that's the great thing. I also believe um, uh, yeah, it's the same thing with YouTube, especially in the real estate space. When people are on there, they are researching. They're extremely intentional and they're they're in the process of, of making a decision. So that's the great thing. So are you okay, Rob? You got a couple more minutes. I don't want to keep yeah, you. Give me more. like, we, we do like one or two more questions. Okay. Let me jump to depends on how profound they are. <laughs> yeah. Like Matt asking, uh, what's the meaning of life? Probably. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump to well, Christina. Do you have a question or, um, are you just hanging out or the uh, Christina Smallhorn? Did you meet her at Vid summit, Rob? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I met her one night at the, we were all hanging like everyone, the whole real estate sector was yeah, like yeah. in that one bar. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I was not drinking by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I like. I guess I didn't recognize you at I did, like Rob was saying earlier, is that you kind of like study other people's channels, and he did a video on like prefab, and I was like, how can I turn that and make that work for my channel? So <laughs> when you're doing your like recon and research, he was one of the channels I was. I always go back and research, going, hey, let me look at his titles real quick and see what I can come up with uh, for my own channel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, man. Well, hey, nice. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, that, that's funny. I, I was excited to meet you. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to meet you. I wish I would have like recognized you. I feel like a tool now. <laughs> <laughs> that's OK. I was only hurt for a little bit. But hey, we're friends now, I think. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, Christina. Earl, let's jump down to Earl real quick. Earl, do you uh, are you there? Do you have a quick question for Rob? I am here, and thanks for inviting me up. I do have a quick question. Um, being that a lot of uh, content is going to short form, should I be as invested in short form as I am in long form video? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you should. I mean, I so should I, by the way. I don't, I mean, it's, dude, for me, if I'm being honest, yes. Like, you have to do shorts, and, like, that's a big part, and that's a really big way to grow your channel. I don't do it only because I'm like barely, and I mean barely able to get one long form video on my channel, but I'm actually hiring a second editor right now who will be kind of in charge of doing all of my cut downs and they'll be taking existing YouTube content 
and cutting it down into 30 and 60 second cut downs for YouTube shorts and for TikTok. Um, but yeah, man, I would not sleep on, I would not sleep on short forms specifically because I, I just started TikTok in, in August. I've made 13 TikToks and I think I'm at 60,000 followers so far. And just in the last, like literally in the last three days, I think I've gotten 20,000 followers on TikTok. And so if I applied that same method to YouTube, it could be huge. Um, so if you have the time and you're like, man, I'm super serious about starting a channel, I'll do anything it takes. I think uh, like the short form content is definitely going to be a really nice way to get a head start on, on kind of gaining some of those initial subscribers. Yeah. And, and real quick to that. Uh, so we started a TikTok channel and a shorts channel, and it's not from my efforts. It is literally, we are chopping up every piece of our long form content and, and chopping it into 30 to 60 second increments. And we just started our TikTok channel on October 1st, the hashtag. And I put my hashtag of my name in there on all the videos based on Glenda Baker's feedback. I looked this morning, it's already being searched 13,000 times in, in TikTok. And my last name is pretty unique. So I know that's, it should be unique to me. It's like, it's crazy. We're gaining views um, already through TikTok and, you know, we're just uh, capturing additional audience, but it's not any more of my additional effort because it's just all uh, of our long form content chopped up. So I think you, I, my recommendation is, I mean, I don't know, long form content can feed all the other platforms. So it's, it's a, it's a really good use of your time. So let's go, let's do one more question, Rob, if that's okay. I want to get to my For man, sure. Ruben. Um, Ruben just jumped up here. So Ruben, do you have, uh, he snuck in here real quick. So Ruben, if you're there, you got a quick question for, for Rob. You know what? I was, uh, invited. I want to say through Facebook, Levi, and I just want to say, uh, um, What's up? Because uh, we met in Sarasota, Florida. So what's up? Thank you so much for the, the, the value that you gave that day. But also when I was in the group, um, I heard somebody talk about Airbnb and short-term rentals and, and what that looks like to uh, push that out and do pay for advertising. And I see that this is a YouTube uh, uh, stage as well. So I'll say that one thing, this isn't really paying for advertising, but one thing we've done is just started documenting the process buying the property, rehab, the roaches, the rats, the, I mean, the, everything, it, it looks like the rehab of property and then where it goes from there, right? All the way to live. We just been documenting the process and putting that process on YouTube. When a guest stays in the, the property, there's a little plaque that says, follow the story of this house from like a poop emoji to a crown, you know, and uh, they can QR code it and actually watch the story of the house uh, we've had nothing but good feedback from that. It also builds demand for your units because now your homes have property or homes have a story. So it's it's not really paying for advertisement, but since I see YouTube real estate and I heard Airbnb, I was like, man, I'm gonna jump up there and just tell them what we're doing, which has which has helped bring more people to our market. Which I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina, um, which is starting to get a little saturated with those type of investors working for short term rentals. And it's been a way to uh, separate us from the competition. Um, and second point, there's a company called repurpose that pulls your long form. If you can't hire anybody, it pull, like just hire somebody on your team. There's a company called repurpose that does grab your long form videos and chops them down to TikTok, IG reels and that type of thing. Hmm. So you can get more exposure. 
But yeah, I just heard that. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Through Facebook, and I was like, boom, I'm jumping on. All right, thank, thanks, Ruben. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. That's actually I like that points. Uh, those points, telling the story. Yeah, repurpose sounds cool. Yeah, or even I like that creating the the story in YouTube. You could create a playlist um, of like a rehab project or something. I think that's uh, um, pretty good too. Yeah, so, I'm oh. like I'm conflicted on that because <laughs> I don't really like to reveal that I'm a YouTuber. Like you know, I talk about money a lot. I guess so that that's always like one thing for me is like when I meet contractors and like they're like, "What do you do?" I'm never like, "Oh, I've got a YouTube channel. It's called right. Rob Built." Because I'm always scared of just like them being like, oh, oh you yeah. make this much? So I always kind of keep that under wraps. And then in the house, I think that's another one. I don't know. I think I, I didn't care about privacy nearly as much like up until three months ago. And now I'm just kind of like, ooh, I should probably be more serious about not <laughs> not being so like open. But I, I always will be. But I just, I don't know. I, I need to think about that because I do think that the people that actually stay at your houses could probably be the most loyal patch of subscribers. So I need to chew on that. That's a, that seems like a pretty good idea. Well, if you want to see an example, just hit up my YouTube at proven by Ruben, but at least what we have seen um, and to each his own, right. But at least what we have seen is we've, we've got great feedback on, cause I'm also a real estate agent as well. So not only do we get great feedback from the guest and the storytelling, we're also having other investors reach out to us because it's building that kind of demand too and saying, hey, man, thank you for documenting the process. Thank you for exposing the numbers, this and that, and maybe little ways that we could find um, to save a little bit of money. And they appreciate it. And then they want to work with our team for the investor side. So it's a different mindset. I guess if you got to look at it, it does expose you more, right? Grant, Car Grant Cardo says if they don't know you, they don't flow you. So it's just a little bit more of just exposing <laughs> um your home who you are and separating yourself from the other investors who are in the market for sure man all right proven by ruben i'm gonna i'll check you out today so rob any any closing words of wisdom you would like to share um just to close us out here yeah yeah for sure well um any closing words of wisdom oh man i don't know so much so much pressure levi uh, Matt wants Matt wants to know if you thought of the fifth, you know, the fifth meaning to life yet. The, the oh, uh, <laughs> let's see, the fifth meaning to life. Uh, no, I have not. I'll I'll have to do a follow up. I'm down. We should do this again sometime. But um, well, now let me just hey, let me let me prep you real quick for closing words of wisdom. Is that a lot of people uh, in this room are just starting their YouTube journey? They either have not started their channel, or they're in the process, or they might be filming a couple of things. So, what's what's a really key, you know, one or two things as a as a yeah. new YouTuber um, slash real estate agent? You know, what what would you share with them that would kind of help them? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, that that's great context. Well, ultimately, I'm going to say this: you have got to be committed to being a student of YouTube, like forever. Um, it, you never get so good at YouTube that you just stop studying it. I went to VidSummit this year because I still want to like learn from the best. Like I'm still consuming so much content from Think Media, from Channel Makers, from Catherine Manning, from Film Booth. These are all like people that are like how to start a YouTube channel. Like just because I've started a YouTube channel and I have 135,000 subscribers doesn't mean that you can ever rest on your laurels because... I have high points where I hit the algorithm and I'm like, oh my God, 
it's great. Like, this is so great. I made so much money just on AdSense and I'm like so happy. But then I also have low points. Like I'm in a low point right now. My last month was by far the best month I've ever had on YouTube. Just like by multitude. This month is like in comparison, it's going to be horrible. But that doesn't mean that like it's because I'm bad. It just means I have stuff to learn. Like there's, I, I can examine the content from the last month. I can go to all these different channels and figure out what's working, what's not working. Funny enough, a lot of this content that I made was like advice that I was trying to follow from Vid Summit. But a lot of that advice changes like the way I like was already contrary to how I was doing videos. So now I'm learning maybe I should just do it my way versus like the professional way. But you got to know the rules before you can break them ultimately. So you need to be like watching 100% YouTube content for like, if you're serious about starting a channel, stop watching TV, stop watching movies for like six months to 12 months and just consume as much content as you can, as much how-to content as you can. And then pick your five favorite creators. Like for me, that was like Graham Stephan, Shelby Church, Peter McKinnon, Casey Neistat, uh, some other person I'm sure, um, uh, living in Dallas, Texas. And for me, like, that's all I watched. And I studied them and I said, okay, how can I put my own spin on that? And that's ultimately what helped the raw built style, like come, come into place. Oh, uh, it's alive with, uh, Brad Leone was like a huge one for me. Uh, you know, so that kind of stuff for me, it's like watch videos where you really like the editing. Editing is super key. That's what's going to really make or break a channel. I think shout out Caleb. Uh, so yeah, um, be a student, never stop studying it. Stop watching TV, just watch YouTube. I'm not saying it's like the best from like a social, like, you know, taboo, like people it's like, don't, don't be addicted to your screen. But if you want to cut it in YouTube, you kind of have to be, and you have to be unapologetic about it. I'm very unapologetic about how much YouTube I watch. That's what I love. And so that's what I'm going to continue to watch. And scene. And, and, yeah. Mic drop. I mean, that was amazing. And you did, that's a great segue, Rob, because you mentioned think media and I will just preface everyone with next week. Our special guest is Sean Cannell himself. Uh, cool. We'll, nice. We'll be here on this very same bat time and very same bat channel. So uh, definitely you want to come back next week because uh, Sean Cannell is the founder of think media and one of the best YouTube channels, I believe, especially to learn YouTube uh, in general, but overall, hundred percent, yeah, just a, a great guy as well. Did you did you meet him at Vid Summit? Uh, I didn't. I should have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I should have. I wanted to, but he was always talking to people. He followed me on Instagram like two months ago, and I was like, <gasps> and my <laughs> wife was like, "What?" I was like, "Sean Candle followed me," and she's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "The the YouTube channel that I follow." Um, but the whole team, I did an interview with Think Media like a couple of weeks ago. So it's up now and it's like how to start a YouTube channel. And last final plug here. I actually have a, what is happening? Are we in a tornado? Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, I started, I, I made a video called uh, my honor. Oh, it's a jet. Duh, of course. The Blue Angels felt like they had to come out right now. My God. Uh, okay. ADHD. This is like kind of playing into everything. All right. I have a video called uh, how to start a YouTube channel and my honest thoughts on quote unquote making it. And it gets into like my, my top tips and tricks for starting a channel. It gets real. It talks about how to monetize. It's like 40 minutes. So strap in. It's a good one. Um, that video, 95% of the people that have seen that video are not even subscribed to my channel. It's like, you know, 
most of the people that watched that video were aspiring YouTubers. And I think it really clicks because it's like a very honest take on starting a YouTube channel. So check that out on the Rob Bill YouTube channel. I posted it like uh, two months ago, I think. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. You, you brought a tremendous amount of value to everyone here. So we just want to thank you. Hopefully you got a few more subscribers today. <laughs> so for uh, sure, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. We'll yeah, do it again really, sometime. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And you're in Tennessee right now. So have fun. I'm sure you're working on some, uh, some stuff there for your community. So, look yeah. that. but anyways, yeah, man, man, I appreciate it. Talk soon. Bye All everyone. Right. See you. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.